Welcome wrestling fans from around the world to In the Ring with Brandy. I'm your host, Brandy, and on this show we talk about all things wrestling, from AEW to Impact to Ring of Honor to WWE's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And on tonight's show we're going to be covering Monday Night Raw from 419 and SmackDown from 423. So let's jump right into the action, shall we? Now, first off, Raw this past Monday night started out with Drew McIntyre opening. He did this last week involving MVP where he was basically doing the confrontation between MVP because he has a match with Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania Backlash. Now, the shocking part that all of you saw last week, which actually threw me for a loop, was the fact that T-Bar and Mace got involved in something that they had nothing to do with. The interesting part was the fact that MVP was standing up at the top of the ramp. We had no answers, no clues as to what T-Bar and Mace had to do with MVP and Bobby Lashley. Was it connected? Was it not connected? We weren't sure. So, we were kind of hoping, or I was personally, and probably a lot of you out there in the wrestling world war too, hoping that maybe that WWE Creative would clarify what was going on and explain to us why T-Bar and Mace got involved in this whole thing last week. Drew comes out again to open Raw, basically explaining the whole setup with him and Bobby Lashley for WrestleMania Backlash. Drew was doing a great promo. The promo was fantastic. It was classic Drew. I loved it. It was great. But then here comes MVP out of nowhere, as usual, running that mouth like MVP does. Now, me and most of you out there were kind of hoping Bobby Lashley would come out with him, but he didn't. Lashley was nowhere in sight, which led you to believe and led maybe me to believe, some of you may disagree, that MVP might be working secretly behind Bobby Lashley's back, Basically giving him bodyguards when in truth, Lashley don't need no bodyguards. Lashley's got it. He does not need anybody to back him up. But MVP and Drew had their little confrontation. Drew and him had their little spat. And it was kind of a really cool setup between Drew and MVP. It was a really good promo. Great promo. MVP talking about how Bobby Lashley beat him at, you know, WrestleMania. And how Drew doesn't deserve an opportunity and blah, 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 blah. Well, Drew finally comes out of the ring and decides to confront MVP face to face. We're like, oh yes, here, we're finally going to get to see these two go head to head. What happens? Here comes Mace and T-Bar again. Now, come on, MVP, we're not dumb. We know that this is not a coincidence. This is something that seems to lead many wrestling fans, including me, believing that you are using Mace and T-Bar. Now, whether Bobby Lashley knows or doesn't, that remains to be seen. And MVP, if Lashley doesn't know, that's a bit sneaky and it's a bit conniving. I mean, come on, you're working for Bobby Lashley. You need to tell Bobby Lashley what you're doing before you just do it. But in truth, in my opinion, and you guys might not agree, and if you don't, please let me know, you know, on social media. I think MVP is basically just using Bobby Lashley to boost his fame. Lashley does not need anybody. Lashley has proven he is good. He doesn't need mouthpiece. He doesn't need bodyguards. Come on. Come on, guys. He got rid of Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Why would he need Mace and T-Bar? There is no need for them. They are not needed. Lashley can take care of his business on his own. He does not need those boys to back him up. Anyways, they attacked Drew McIntyre. 
which set up this whole thing. Drew goes to the back and basically confronts Adam Pierce and tells him, I want a match against Mason T-Bar. Of course, Adam Pierce tells Drew, you can't just have a handicap match with Mason T-Bar. You need to find you a tag team partner or something. Drew disagrees. He wants a handicap match against these two from Retribution. He wants it, and he wants it tonight. So, they left us in the air on whether that was going to happen or not. Going on to the next match. Cedric Alexander versus the Viking Raiders. Now, like I told you guys, I was so excited to see... Uh, Eric and Ivar return. I really was excited to see these boys return. It was something I was really looking forward to. And when you put Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander with them, this was going to be a good match. This was going to be a really good match. And it turned out to be a fantastic match. Both teams were excellent. They were great. I mean, Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander were giving the Viking Raiders a run for their money. Especially... Eric. They were making Eric really hard for him to get to his tag team partner, Ivar, and get the tag. For the long, for there for a little bit, I thought, oh no, Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander are going to win this thing, causing the Viking Raiders to get a loss after returning last week. Surprisingly enough, Creative didn't disappoint me. The Viking Raiders did win, but it was a nice little match. It was a nice little confrontation. I kind of liked it. I thought, hey, you could probably go somewhere there with this creative. You can make this a long-running little match between them because it really gave the viewers and me personally a chance to get to see Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander shine out from under MVP's wing. It showed what they really can do. It showcased what they can do. Now, Randy Orton. Randy, 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 Randy. Where in the world do you think in anywhere in WWE that you have put the fiend behind you? I don't see where you're getting this. But apparently you seem to think that you're done with the fiend. Now anybody who knows the fiend, anybody who knows him knows that when the fiend sets his sights on someone, he does not quit till he gets it. So Randy doing this interview and thinking, oh, the fiend is behind me. I don't have to deal with the fiend anymore. Randy, you need to be looking over your shoulder because I'm telling you right now, you ain't done with him yet. He's still coming after you. It's just a matter of time and on the fiend's terms as to when he's going to strike. You have to keep your eyes open. You have to. But the part that really got on my nerves is Matt Riddle interrupting Randy. Where in the world does Matt Riddle think for a second that he is on the Viper's level? I don't know where he gets it. I don't know where this comes from. But apparently he seems to think that he's just as good as Randy Orton. I don't know. I don't think so personally. But what do I know? I mean, WWE creative might think that this is a good match. Me personally, I don't think this is a good match. Which, the interruption led to Randy Orton requesting a match against Matt Riddle. Now, this one, I was like, okay, it's time. Viper is going to finally put Matt Riddle in his place and show Matt, hey, look, you came up a little too soon, boy. You're good. I'm not saying you're not, but you came up a little too soon. You aren't ready for the big boys quite yet there, Matt Riddle. You're just not ready. But then again, like I said, who knows? I mean... I've always said that Matt's, Matt Riddle is good. I've said that. I've said that a dozen times. He's good. Is he raw and SmackDown material? No. I don't think he is. I just don't think. They're hyping him up too much. They're, you know, they're, they're giving him too much just for later on for him to take a fall. And then all of a sudden, Matt Riddle drops out of sight. 
That's what I'm afraid of. And them hyping him up like this and putting him in a match against Randy just, I mean, come on, guys. We know how Randy Orton is. We know how he is. It just doesn't make any sense to put him in a match with Randy. But then again, what do I know? I'm not creative. Charlotte, 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 Charlotte. I've always told you guys that I support WWE putting women's wrestling at the forefront of their shows. I've always said that women deserve a chance to show what they can do. They deserve the chance to prove that they're just as good as the men on the roster. They deserve the main event. They deserve, you know, all the accolades that the men get. I've always said that. Now, Charlotte. Charlotte is one of my favorites. Whether she's heel, whether she's face, that girl can cut a promo. She can cut a promo like no one's business. And she's also good in the ring. She's always good in the ring. With that being said, so is Asuka. Asuka has proven time and time again, this girl is good. She has proven it. She has proven it. I mean, come on, guys. In NXT, she was undefeated. She came to Raw undefeated. Come on, guys. The first person to defeat her was Charlotte Flair. And by my opinion, you may disagree, Charlotte got lucky. She got lucky. That's just my thought. I, I, I could be wrong, but that's just my thought. So Charlotte's out there cutting a promo, talking about how, you know, she, you want an opportunity, you got to come through her, how she's tired of Oscar getting all these opportunities, da, 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 classic Charlotte Flair, classic Flair move. Well, apparently Oscar didn't like it too much. So Oscar come out and Oscar did her own little thing telling her that she's going to beat her. And Oscar did fantastic. But what the surprise was, was the Raw Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley coming out to back up Asuka. I was loving this. I mean, you've got three of the top stars in WWE in the women's locker room right now, all in the same ring at one time. This is incredible. This was an incredible setup for what was to come later on that night, Charlotte versus Asuka. Rhea, of course, got invited by Charlotte to come out and watch the match just so that Charlotte could show Rhea just how good she really is. Basically, I'm going to show you that I'm better than you and blah, 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 blah. Rhea took her up on the opportunity. Rhea told her she'd be out there later on tonight to see Asuka's match, and she told her Asuka was going to beat her. Now, moving on to Randy Orton versus Matt Riddle. I told you guys when the promo thing. I don't know what Matt Riddle has to do with Randy. This does not make any sense, but maybe it's a veteran pushing another one, pushing a, you know, a new superstar. I don't know. But this match, I thought was going to be good because it would basically it would showcase what Randy could do, which we all know what Randy can do, but would give Riddle a chance to show what he could do up against a veteran. And Randy's a veteran. He's a, a big veteran. So I'm like, I wanted to see how this was going to go. I was hoping and really hoping that Randy would put Riddle in his place. Unfortunately, I don't know how this happened. And I I don't like it. Some of you out there in the wrestling world might like it. But I didn't. Riddle beat Randy. I'm literally sitting there going, how in the world did this happen? Riddle got lucky. He got dang lucky. That is the only way he could have beaten the Viper, Randy Orton. And it kind of made me mad. I'm like, wait a minute. He beat Randy? Seriously? Are you kidding me? But he did. And I was actually surprised. Well, 
That, to me, I think is Creative's way of setting up Randy Orton versus Riddle. Because you beat Randy, Randy will get revenge. He always does. You don't get away with beating the Viper twice. It just doesn't happen that way. And it's not going to happen with Riddle. Riddle's up, come up and it's coming. It's coming. It's, very, it's definitely coming. Now, moving on to Sheamus. Sheamus, I'm so proud, of, is now the United States Champion. I was so happy when he went on at WrestleMania. It made me very happy to see Sheamus have a title. Because when Sheamus is a champ, he is great. I mean, he's good when he's not a champ. But when he is a champ, he is electrifying. It is amazing to watch Sheamus work as a champ. Both on the mic and in the ring. Pierce called Sheamus up first to congratulate him for winning the United States title at WrestleMania and basically told Sheamus, I think you need to defend that title. Every other person that's ever held the United States title has always done an open challenge. I believe you need to do an open challenge for your United States title. Sheamus disagreed. Classic Sheamus fashion, he basically told Adam Pierce, I will do an open challenge, but it won't be for the title. I loved it. I love this interaction between Sheamus and Pierce. It was really good. It was classic. I was like, it's just, it's good. Now, like I told you guys, women's matches are my favorite. So the next match that came up happened to be the tag team champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Lana and Naomi. I love these girls. I love both sets of these teams because these two are Naomi and Lana. They are a great pair. They work great together. They, you know, they're great. They showcase what each other can do and they boost off each other's strengths. And Baszler and Jax, they are just they are just on fire right now. So I am excited to see this match. I really was as a female watcher of wrestling, this to me is like, yes, let's get this match. Let's see what this match is. Let's see how good this match is. This match turned out really well. Of course, I wasn't expecting Baszler to pull what Baszler pulled. And what I'm talking about is, is that Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke come out and kind of taunted Nia and kind of messed with Nia and blah, 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 blah. Nia turned around and left Baszler in the ring. I thought, okay, Baszler's got this. All she has to do is get a Karabuda clutch on Lana and she's got it. Guess what? That didn't happen. Lana and Naomi beat Naya and Baszler. That was shocking. And to me, seeing what happened with Naya and Baszler, maybe signaling to the fans and to everyone in the WWE Universe, this could be the end of this tag team because they can't coexist. They can't coalate. They can't work together because they're getting not only distracted, but they're getting frustrated with each other, which is making it very difficult. Come on, girls. You girls are dominating force in the tag team division you're at the top of the mountain get it together girls get it together stop feuding and fighting and just work together that's all you have to do but apparently that's not the case that was just not the case now miss 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 what have i got to say about miss that hasn't already been said the man is amazing he is electrifying on the mic. He is fantastic in the ring. He is good at everything he does. So, of course, he had to bring out his beautiful wife, who I love so much, Maurice, again on Ms. TV. Again to promote Ms. and Mrs. on USA, which was running right after Raw. Well, Ms. again... Doing like Miz does in classic fashion, minus Morrison, because Morrison was not there that night. 
minus Morrison, it was just him and Maurice out there doing their thing, had to make a comment about how he boosted Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. How many times, Miss, are you going to keep pushing Damian Priest to the breaking point that you're going to get your butt whooped by Priest? When are you going to learn? Well, apparently, he didn't learn because out comes Damian Priest again. Damian Priest basically telling him, you know what you did last week. You know what you did to me last week. You cheated. I want another match because guess what? Your little buddy isn't out here tonight. So he can't protect you and help you get a win on me. Maurice, whoa, 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 doing her classic Maurice fashion, tells him who do you think you are coming in here and telling my husband what he can and can't do. She goes, okay, I'm going to give you the match with my husband. Miz is in shock. Miz was not looking for a match tonight. He was not there for a match. And Maurice basically threw him under the bus into a match. Maurice basically whispering in classic fashion that she's got this. She's got this. He's going to win tonight. You're going to win. You're going to win. Guess what? Miz didn't win. Maurice tried to cheat. Guess what? Damien didn't fall for it. Damien gets hit the lights and Miz loses. This was classic. This to me is really good that they're putting Miz and Damien Priest in, you know, in a match to kind of put Maurice and Morrison into it, a little spin on it. I kind of like it. I like what they're doing with it. They're showcasing what Miz can do, but they're also showing how dominant Damien Priest is in a ring, how good he is in a ring. And I like that they're, the way they're going with this. New Day, of course, cuts a promo with Matt Riddle. Winner Matt Riddle. Come on, Riddle. Give it a rest. You're getting obnoxious. You keep coming into other people's promos and other people's stuff, and you won't stop running your mouth. New Day, it doesn't matter. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, y'all are great. Even Big E on SmackDown. Fantastic. I love them. Let them do their promo without Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle needs to cut his own promos and stay out of everybody else's. This was a cute little cutoff, but it was kind of pointless because it made no sense to what was coming up next. Why would Riddle even be involved in anything involving the New Day? Kofi Kingston versus Elias. Now, I am loving this little feud between Elias and Riker and Kofi and Xavier. It's cute. Elias comes out to do his little thing and play his guitar. And every time he does, Xavier comes up with some new musical instrument to interrupt Elias. Every time Elias is in the ring, he gets interrupted. You would think after a while, Elias would get tired of this. He would be done with this. But apparently, that's not the case. And it was really good match. I mean, it really was. Kofi and Elias, they're great. They are really, really, really good together. They are on fire. And I loved it. Kofi, of course, won. We all knew that was coming. I was kind of happy that Jackson Riker really didn't get involved in it. I like Jackson Riker being with Elias. It's a good transition for Riker from being with his other partners to Elias. It's a good, it's a good match. But I was happy that him and Co him and you know, Xavier stayed out of it. I really wasn't let Kofi and Elias do what Kofi and Elias did. Now we're back to little Alexa and little Lily. Alexa, Alexa, Alexa. What can I say about Alexa and this weird doll puppet of hers, Lily? 
I'm still trying to figure out what the heck Olivia, what the heck Lily is. Is she a new WWE superstar they're bringing in and they're just using the doll to proceedively transition her in? Is she a doll that, you know, this possessed doll like Annabelle? What is she? And, you know, Alexa's not really clarified. I mean, she explains that she's had her all through her childhood and growing up. And I'm like, what? Well, you, we've never seen Lily up until now. Well, you, where did this, this, this thing come from? What is it? You know, it's an interesting storyline. And I'm kind of interested to see where creative is going to go with Lily and Alexa. Is it going to connect to the Fiend? Is she going to be, you know, a new, you know, we got to get in, you know, her going after the, you know, the women's championship. What are we going to get with Alexa? And what does Lily have to do with this? I guess WWE is just going to have to keep letting, leading us on to this. I don't know. I'm kind of confused. Hopefully, somewhere along the line, it gets clarified. To me, Alexa's transition from The Fiend to what she is now kind of reminds me, and some of you guys might disagree, but it does to me, a transition into a boogeyman-type character. Everyone remembers the boogeyman. He was one of the most twisted people they had in WWE. So to see this transition and to see the similarity transitions with Alexa and Boogeyman, you're thinking, hmm, what is creative up to? What could they be doing? Your mind starts wondering. So I'm kind of just interested to see where this goes with Lily and Alexa. Nia and Shayna, I told you Nia left Shayna. Shayna was not happy that Nia left her. And they get into a huge argument over it. I've said this a dozen times, and I'm going to say it again. I see this being close to the end of Nia's and Shayna's little friendship that they have. They've always had, you know, their little cute little bickering confrontations, but this literally exploded because Nia was so focused on what Dana and you know, Mandy were doing this. She did not pay attention to her tag team partner. Guys, if you're in a tag team, you help your tag team partner out. You don't go running off and leave them to the lion's den. You just don't do that. And it it was just, it's getting crazy. It's getting really weird. And I'm kind of hoping they don't end Nia and Shayna quite yet. But I'm not sure. We're just going to have to wait and find out. Now, of course, like I said, we got lucky. We got lucky and got to see the handicap match. Pierce approved it. Drew McIntyre versus T-Bar versus Mace. This match was going kind of good at first, but like I said, Drew was outnumbered. He was seriously, seriously outnumbered. It, it wasn't really in Drew's favor, and I don't know what was in the, you know, the Scottish Warrior's mind. It's why he thought he could take on T-Bar and Mace by himself. Maybe he thought he could. Maybe he thought he couldn't. I don't know, but he was doing really good. Of course, Mason T-Bar did get the upper hand on him, but then the surprise, the surprise that I was not expecting, Braun Strowman comes out to help Drew McIntyre. This I was excited about. I was very excited that Creative kind of put these two together because these two are big, massive men. And putting the two of them together is just like, incredible it's incredible to see and the match between the you know, hell you know, him helping out with you know t-bar and mace this was good but the exciting part for me and a lot of you may not like it and some of you may i've been saying all along ever since retribution came these were nxt superstars they were nxt superstars that did not get their voice heard when they first came 
They were wanting to be noticed and recognized, so they created retribution along with Mustafa Ali. I've always said, and everyone may disagree, but if you're an NXT fan, you know who these people are. You know that, of course, Slapjack is Shane Thorne. We all know that. We knew it from the beginning. We all knew that Reckoning was, yo, Mia Yim. There was no disputing that that was Mia Yim. The other one that came in, that was Mercedes Martinez. We knew it was Mercedes. We weren't crazy. T-Bar, come on, guys. Anybody should know that is Dominic Dijakovic. Nobody should dispute that whatsoever. It's Dominic. We know Dominic. He's a tall guy. We knew it was him. Mace, everybody was kind of trying to figure out who Mace was. Mace used to be a commentator on, in, in, in NXT. He was really good. He used to be a football player and came to NXT on commentary. Well, for those of you who did not see, or some of you who might have missed it, he came to Raw one night to help out, you know, the Raw commentary desk. He got attacked during that whole thing by Brock Lesnar and went out. We never saw him again until Mace entered. That is who this is. For those of you who don't know, go back and look it up. He was a commentary on NXT. He is now Mace, and he's good. He is really, really good. The boy is good. I mean, big, bad, he is good. Well, of course, Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman demasked two of the members of Retribution, which, as I said, was T-Bar and Mace. Mace was the commentary from NXT. And T-Bar, what do you know? Dominic Dijakovic. I knew it. I said it. A lot of you other fans out there were probably screaming the same thing. They're NXT. They're NXT. Of course they are. That's just been proven. Now, we're kind of curious. Are they going to take their masks off? Are we going to get to see Dominic Dijakovic shine like he did in NXT? Are we going to get to see what Mace can do now that he's away from the commentary desk and now behind the ring? Are we going to, you know, we're going to get to see this. I'm kind of excited. Are they going to continue being Mace and T-Bar? Where are they going to go with this? Who knows? The sky's the limit as to what they're going to do. I'm hoping that they keep Braun and Drew together up until WrestleMania Backlash. It would be a great, you know, change-up for Drew. It would be a great change-up for Strowman. It'd be a, you know, really good storyline up until WrestleMania Backlash. We'll have to wait and see where WWE goes with this. Now, Sheamus. Sheamus said that he would do an open challenge tonight on Raw. And he said that he would not put the title on the line. Sheamus made that perfectly clear that he would do that, but not a title on the line. So, I was kind of curious when Sheamus first came out. Who are they going, who's going to answer Sheamus' challenge? Who's going to step up to Sheamus? Who are we going to see? Well, I was surprised. Alberto Carrillo. Alberto Carrillo, where did he come from? He's been gone for so long, and he's been running around chasing the 24-7 championship. I'm like, whoa, 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 he's been on 205 Live. What, whoa, 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 where did he come from? I was kind of worried, because I'm like, okay, you're putting him against Sheamus, a veteran that's experiences his accolades are so huge, you're not, you know, you don't know what to expect. Well, 
Sheamus and Sheamus fashion, the match never started because Sheamus destroyed Alberto Carrillo. Destroyed him. The bell never even rang. You never saw it. He destroyed him. This was incredible because you got to see, for people who've never seen Sheamus when he is a champ, got to see what Sheamus can do. Sheamus is lethal when he is a champ, and he proved it tonight. Now, I told you guys, I'm all about the women main eventing. I want to see more women main event Raw and SmackDown. Well, I got it, and I was happy, and I'm pretty sure some of you were. Maybe some of you weren't, but of course, Charlotte and Asuka got to headline. That, to me, Thank you, WWE, for listening. We wanted this. You gave it to us. I'm happy. Of course, the match was classic. As always, Rhea did come out like she promised, pulled a chair up, and sat to the side and watched the match. I liked it. I liked it. She's pacing back and forth like a a shark circling the cave of the waters looking for her next spray. I loved it. What shocked me was the fact that Charlotte after the match was over, turned on the ref. Charlotte has never, and guys, everyone knows Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair has never lost her temper to this extent. She has never raised a hand to a ref, to any member of WWE, any of the officials, nothing. She did this time. And this, to me, was what one of those what just happened moments because Charlotte has never lost her temper like she did tonight. It was unbelievable. I could not believe it. I'm sitting there going, did I just see what I thought I just saw? It was unbelievable. And that's how Raw ended. Charlotte literally beating the heck out of this poor ref who had nothing to do with what happened in the match. She was so upset and so distraught and so mad over the outcome of the match, she takes it out on a ref. Charlotte, what would push you to that point? What would bring you to that breaking point? It's interesting to see what WWE is going to do. Of course, obviously, in classic WWE fashion, I believe they're going to find her. She could possibly get suspended. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Could she be out until WrestleMania backlash? We don't know. We just don't know. It's it's uncertain as to what's going to happen. This, to me, was absolutely mind-blowing because I did not see Charlotte doing this. It just wasn't Charlotte. It's not Charlotte at all. Now I'm going to move on to Friday Night Smackdown. Friday Night Smackdown is always interesting because you never know how exactly how it's going to be different from Raw. Sometimes it can be, you know, kind of laid back. Sometimes it can be, you know, kind of better than Raw. You never know. But, of course, it didn't disappoint me. Opening the show was, of course, Cesaro standing outside. Seth Rollins comes out. Seth Rollins, classic fashion. Gotta love Seth. He's great on everything he does. I mean, he's magic on the mic. He's magic on everything. He's like the Miz. He's just that good. He comes out, and he's basically doing what he does, taunting Cesaro, calling him Cicero, which is absolutely hilarious. I love I love it. And Cesaro keeps telling you, taunting him and trying to get him to come into the ring. What I wasn't expecting was Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was out last week, so we didn't really get to see Daniel Bryan at all. We didn't get to see Edge either. But Daniel Bryan, you know, I was kind of hoping he's on every Friday Night SmackDown, so that was kind of shocking not to see Daniel. 
but Daniel came out this week and basically said that Cesaro deserved a universal title shot. That to me, bravo to Daniel Bryan. Bravo for standing up for the talent in the back. The talent that pretty much gets pushed to the wayside and does not get to get shots like this. To stand up for Cesaro, I've got to give you props. Daniel will props us too. Of course, Daniel says, but of course, we know what's going to happen. You're going to come out here, you know, and Roman's going to come out here, and his little right-hand man, main event Jey Uso, well, of course, Jey Uso did come out. And he says he does nothing to do with Seth Rollins and blah, 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 blah. Seth wants nothing to do with Uso. I'm like, okay, WWE, where are you going with this? Is there going to be some, is Seth going to join Roman? What are we going to get here? What's going on here? What is the setup? But Roman comes out too in Roman classic fashion and Daniel keeps telling Roman you need to give Cesaro a shot you need to give Cesaro a shot you basically dissed him last week treated him like he wasn't even there and walked off then you put him against Jay Uso only for Seth Rollins to interfere in the match you need to give him a shot you call yourself the universal champion the head of the table you need to give Cesaro a shot do I agree Yes, I do. Cesaro needs a shot at that Universal title. He really does. Cesaro needs to showcase what he can do because they keep putting him in tag teams. They keep putting him, you know, they're not letting Cesaro be Cesaro. And we've seen him in NXT. We know what Cesaro can do. Come on, WWE. Let him shine against Roman. Um, that would be a great matchup. Of course, Roman in Roman fashion, classic fashion, says he wants nothing to do with it. But he basically says, you've got three guys out here who want to beat, you know, beat your butt. So we're going to, you know, we're, we're just going to do what we do. Of course, when you've got two teams out there and they're running their mouth, you know what WWE is going to do. Common sense dictates tag team match. It always does. If there is more than one person out there on both sides, you're going to get a tag team match. You might get a six man. You might get, you know, you, you don't know. You might get a triple threat match. But you're if you've got two teams, it's a tag team match. I was right. Rollins and Uso versus Brian and Cesaro. Who did not see this one coming because it was set up that way? Well, Cesaro and, and Brian work really well together. They do. They work great. Uso and Rollins, yeah, they do too. They were doing really well, but Rollins is not a team player. He's not been a team player since the Shield. I'm sorry, he just hasn't been. Rollins is Rollins. He does things on his own. He does not need help. He's the architect. He doesn't need help. He does not need some little main event show-off trying to take his spotlight. So Seth does what Seth does always. Walks away and leaves Uso in the ring with Brian and Cesaro. What happens? Uso and Rollins lose. Who did not see this coming? Who did not see this coming? Because I'm telling you right now, Rollins, not a team player. We know this. Pat McAfee. I got to get on the board with Pat McAfee again. Because I told you guys last week, I was not sure about him being on commentary. Oh, guys, let me tell you, Pat is golden. I love him on commentary. Every, I'm looking forward to him elevating every week. And he was good this time. He was even better than last time. I love to watch Pat on commentary. He's just so, I, I was so worried that he wasn't, he was going to be usual Pat. The Pat that some people don't like, some people do. Oh, no, no, no. Pat 
is he is hilarious. He is fun to listen to. He's fun to watch. He's fun to you know, stands up. Michael Cole don't know what he's doing when he's standing up. Pat you know, pats one side, then he's the other. You know, he's face, then he's heel. I love it. I love what WWE is doing with Pat. It's good. It's fantastic. I love it. He's great on commentary. I love it. Nia Jax. Her and Baszler keep jumping back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. I love that they're letting them jump back and forth. I love it. I love them doing this. Well, of course, Nia was on SmackDown and she's facing her cousin Tamina. What I wasn't happy about was the fact that Reggie was with them again. Oh, come on, guys. Really? Baszler and Jax do fine without a little sideshow puppet walking around with them. It's causing friction. It's causing trouble. You can see it coming. Of course, Reggie had to come out. Reggie styling a profile like Reggie always does. I'm like, props to Reggie. Props to Reggie. You look good. But you don't need to be out there. Of course, I, I love Tamina. I really do. I love Tamina. I love Natalia. I love the way these two are working together. I'm really hoping that eventually they give these girls a tag team belt. I really do because these girls are good. But to get to see her and Jack's fight, I was I'm excited. I was excited about this match. Of course, Jack's lost because of Baszler and Reggie. Reggie being the biggest problem. Reggie being I will emphasize that. Reggie being the biggest problem because he stuck his nose where it didn't belong, got basically Jack's pinned. Bravo to Tamina. I'm glad you won. That, again, starts the friction between Nia and Shayna. Again, Reggie being the focal point, being the problem. Think about it, guys. Ever since Reggie's been in this, Nia and Shayna have been at each other's throats. Gotta take Reggie out. Some point, Reggie's gotta come out. Something's gotta give. Kevin Owens getting a shot at the Intercontinental title. This I love. I love them putting Kevin Owens into this. Kevin Owens deserves a chance to shine as a champ. He really does. When he's a champion, he's good. He's like Sheamus. He's good. So I was excited that, you know, they're giving Kevin a shot. Apollo wasn't, but I was. Some of you may not. Some of you might like Apollo being Intercontinental Champion. I'm kind of excited to see Kevin get the shot at it. Of course, I don't think that Kevin's fair. quite fair that, you know, Kevin jumped Big E, but I get it. It's fresh. It's new. We don't get to see Apollo. And I've told you guys, I'm sick of seeing the Apollo Crews Big E fight. I, I, I'm over it. Uh, let's move on. Let's, you know, let's move on with this. So, giving Kevin a chance to face Apollo, that's good. That is really good. Of course, I'm kind of concerned because, of course, his big, tall, which way do we go, George? Which way do we go with him? I'm not quite sure about this. So, of course, the match was great. Kevin Owens versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental title. Really good. Mr. Big Tall Boy, staying out of it. I like it. Giving Apollo a chance to let Apollo show what he can do. Apollo is doing good. I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't sure about this gimmick. I'm still a little bit on the fence with this gimmick. But Apollo in the ring as a whole, he's doing good. He's really doing good. So I give him props. I, you know, I'm really liking it. But Kevin's good too. What I wasn't happy about was conspiracy theory Sami Zayn coming out again. Oh my God. How many times do we have to go down this road with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? They're good when they're fighting each other. But Sami, you had nothing to do with this. Stay out of it. 
Nope, Sammy can't stay. He can't stay away from Kevin. I don't know if they're like magnets that are drawn to each other. What's going on? But he just, he sat on commentary next to Pat. Pat and him had their cute little, you know, their little banter. Michael Cole and him had their little banter. It was good. Of course, Big Miss Wade, which way do we go, George? Which way do we go? Getting involved in the match and costing Kevin Owens the Intercontinental title. That made me mad because Apollo could have won this match without him. He could have won it. He was doing good. He did not need help from outside interference. Then Sammy has to come in there and gloat over Kevin losing and doing his little goofy. Oh, my God. This dance was goofy. It was hilarious. It was goofy. I liked it, but I'm like, okay, Sammy. Stop dancing on Kevin's law. Stop being hee 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 because you're just going to piss him off and he's going to fight you again. You're going to get your butt whooped. Stop. Just stop, Sammy. Stop, stop, stop. This is what I was really excited about. I've been saying, and we've heard rumors all over the place that, uh, that we weren't sure what they were going to do with Aleister Black. Aleister Black, for those of you who don't know, is one of my favorites from NXT. I love him. I love his, you know, everything about him. His ring, you know, the way he fights in the ring, the way he does promos. They are fantastic. So there have been rumors circulating around that they weren't sure what was going to happen with Aleister Black. Was he coming back? Was he riding out his contract? What was going to happen? Well, he answered the question. He cut the most killer promo I have ever seen in Aleister Black's career in WWE. This promo was fantastic. It was classic. It was dark. I loved it. I'm kind of interested to see now that we've seen this promo. What are they doing? Are they changing up his character? Are they making him darker? Are they shifting him back to his classic character, Tommy? And where are they going with this? This is going to be interesting to see where they go with this with Alistair and how they're going to bring Alistair back in to SmackDown. Bailey. I have talked about Bailey till I can't talk about Bailey no more. Bailey has drove me insane. Absolutely insane with her ding dong hello come on guys that is not Bailey. Bailey is when she's a heel she is just on she's badass. Why are y'all turning her into a comic gimmick? Come on it's Bailey. And the fact that she seems to think that she can jump ahead of Sasha in a rematch against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania Backlash. Where is Bailey getting this? Because, whoa, 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 Sasha should get a rematch before Bailey. Sasha gets a contractual rematch. Bailey needs to step to the back of the line and wait and see what happens between Sasha and Bianca. Obviously, WWE's not going to go that way because Bailey taunts Bianca. She's sitting there taunting and saying her little words. Well, of course, my favorite boys, the Street Profits, my sweet and very favorite Montez Ford decides to call Bianca on the phone and tell his wife what's going on. She tells him, I'll be there in a second. I'm excited because I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be good because Bianca's going to put Bailey in her place and we're finally going to get this done. 
Of course, Bailey, being a Bailey classic fashion, pretends like she didn't say that and that she actually wanted to congratulate Bianca on her win at WrestleMania and yada, 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 yada. And then she turns around in classic heel fashion and laughs about it to Bianca. Bianca is confused. She doesn't know what is going on. She is absolutely and positively confused. And I'm telling you right now, Bianca, I agree with you. I was confused as to exactly what the heck Bailey is doing. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Now, as for the Mysterios and Alpha Academy match, I'm going to tell you guys right now how I feel about Alpha Academy. Blah. Bleh, bleh, bleh. That's how I feel about it. And I'm going to tell you why. Otis and Tucker were good together as a tag team. And you separate them as a tag team. And you put him with member from the Alpha group. Why are you putting him with Chad Gable? Chad Gable does not need a tag team partner. If he did, he would go get his partner when he was in the NXT. Why are you putting him with Otis? And you turn Otis from a sweet, loving guy into a bully. What is wrong with you, WWE? What is wrong with you? The Mysterios? I love them. Dominic and Ray, they are great together. Ray is actually shining like he used to shine back in the old day. I love these two together. They are great. I love Dominic. Dominic is proving that he belongs in WWE. He is proving that he truly is like his father, a Mysterio. He is good. So, this match, I was kind of, eh, I'm not sure. Because we've seen this so many times. And every time, Bully Otis manages to get the win. Well, I was wrong this time. The Mysterios got one up on Alpha Academy. And actually, Dominic pinned Chad Gable. This, to me, was golden. It was golden. I loved it. A chance for the Mysterios to get one up on a bunch of bullies. I loved it. Of course, I'm pretty sure Otis didn't, but I did. Now, the main event. The main thing that I was excited about. Cesaro and Daniel Bryan decided to come out because Roman had promised by the end of the night he was going to give Cesaro an answer as to whether he was going to give him a universal title shot or no. Cesaro and Daniel come out to get to see if they can get Roman to come out and give him an answer. They pretty much basically were taunting Roman all night. I mean, they taunted him with Jey Uso when they were swinging Jay around. And Daniel's basically, come on, Roman. You say you're the head of the table. Come on, come on, come on, come out. You know, they have been taunting Roman all night. And I love Daniel and Cesaro together. It's good. It's really, it's a good setup. It's a good match. They're perfect together. So they come out and try to basically call Roman out. To get Roman to come out so he'll give them their answer. Of course, Roman in real classic Roman fashion. It's on Roman's time. It's not on their time. Roman comes out when Roman's ready to come out. And I love heel Roman. I do. I love the fact that, hey, it's on my time. I'm the head of the table. I'm going to come out when I say I want to come out. And if you don't like it, sit down, shut up, and wait. I like it. I like it. Of course... Roman comes up. Roman comes up, does his little thing about Daniel, basically telling Daniel, you know, you lost at WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. Cesaro, I don't think you're worthy. La, 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 la. The usual Roman banter that I love. 
what I wasn't expecting is what Roman did next. I thought Roman was going to give Cesaro the shot. I really thought Roman being Roman, being, you know, he's the head of the table. He's all about, you know, hey, you're going to disrespect my family. I'm going to put you in your place. I'm going to give you the shot, and I'm going to give you the beatdown that you deserve. No. Roman threw me for a curve because he basically tells Cesaro, you don't get the shot. Instead, I'm going to give it to Daniel Bryan next Friday night on SmackDown. But there's a catch. You're sitting there going, uh-oh, there's a catch? What's the catch? Hello, what's the catch? He basically tells Daniel, if you do not beat me, he says, which you won't beat me, classic Roman, you have to leave SmackDown forever. Forever. I'm sitting there the whole time going, what just happened? Like, Daniel can't say yes to this. He's been on SmackDown for so long. What are they going to do? You know, Daniel, Daniel is SmackDown. Daniel's always supporting the, you know, everybody back there at SmackDown. Roman, what are you doing? I'm in shock. I'm sitting there the whole time going, what is happening here? And I'm sitting there the whole time going, Daniel, please don't take this deal. Because if you do and you lose, you can never return to SmackDown. As long as Roman is there, you can never come back. Well, you don't take it. And of course, Cesaro, being sweet Cesaro, and I love Cesaro very much. And Cesaro, you're you're a great guy. Basically, tells Daniel, you have to take this. You have to take it. There's no other choice. You have to take it. I'm sitting there the whole time, going, No, Daniel, don't take it. Daniel, you don't. If you lose to Roman, you can never come back to SmackDown. Don't, 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 don't take it. Don't take it. Of course, Daniel says. Yes. So the whole time I'm sitting there going, all right, WWE, where are you going with this? What is happening? Is Daniel going to Raw? Is Daniel going to take a stint over in NXT? What is happening with Daniel Bryan? Why uh, Why would you do this? Unless they're going to give him the Universal Championship. If they do, bravo, kudos to WWE for finally giving him a, you know, the title again. He hasn't had the title since before he went out you know, out and retired. It would be nice to see Daniel get it again. It would be really good. So I'm thinking, okay, where are you going with this? Guys, I really would like to know what you guys think because I'm at a loss. Could Daniel be leaving SmackDown? Could we be losing Daniel Bryan from WWE altogether? Well, you know, what's happening? What's going on? You know, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Daniel. I'm, I'm in shock. So we're just going to have to wait and see what happens next Friday night. You know, I'm pulling that Daniel wins. I'm hoping that Daniel wins gets the universal title, makes Roman tap out, and this time Roman actually tap out with a the ref there, and we see Daniel get it. I'd like to see Daniel get a good title run, but it's going to upset me if Daniel's not in SmackDown anymore because I look forward to seeing Daniel Bryan every, you know, every Friday night. It's going to be weird Daniel not being there. It's going to just be really weird. Now, I always tell you guys I have the ones to watch. The, the ones that I tell you, you know, you need to pay attention to next week to see, you know, when what's going to happen. I have picked two matches for my one to watch for this for next week. One of them, of course, is Big E versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental title. I'm interested to see if Big E can get it back, if he can get past Big Tall, Mr. Which Way Do We Go? Is he going to get it? I'm interested to see how he does with this. Now, the other one, like I told you, it's how this ended, is Roman Reigns 
going to beat Daniel and Daniel leaves SmackDown, are we going to see Daniel get the title and become Universal Champ and just dominate SmackDown for a little bit and have a good little title run all the way to possibly SummerSlam? We don't know. These two are my ones to watch. The main one that really is, of course, the Universal title because I'm curious as to see what's going to happen with this. I'm curious to see, is this Daniel's last match? Are we never going to see Daniel on SmackDown again? Are we never going to see Daniel on WWE? I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to go. Or is he finally going to make Roman tap in front of everybody, including a ref, and it go down in the record books, Roman tapped to the label lock? We'll have to wait and see. But... I want to thank you guys again for listening. And remember, follow me on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter at Wrestling Nights with a Z, and on Instagram at In the Ring with Brandy. And until next time, I'll see you later with some more wrestling. Thank you for listening. Have a good night.